Hi there, and welcome to episode number one of Melbourne Northern Suburbs podcast. My name is Adam Roach, and I'll be your host. So for episode number one, I interview Danielle Green, who is a state Labor member for Yanying. Danielle shares some great stories about the journey of the, the Mernda Rail and how it was being built, and some really interesting facts about the artifacts that were found while they were digging up the, the different sites for the railway. So there's really great insight to the, into the project. Uh, we also get to talk about the duplication of Yanyan Road. So I'm sure anyone who's travelled down Yanyan Road would have seen all the, the roadworks being done, plus the, uh, the extent they go to of cutting through all those roads. Now, I've broken this podcast up into two parts. So the first part, which I just spoke about, and then the second part, which will be released on Sunday, Danielle talks about how she first grew up in the around the Diamond Creeks and her love for sports and some of the things that she's uh, promised if she gets re-elected. And then we finish the interview with a very important question. So listen out for that one. So let's go over to the interview now with Danielle Green. Okay, so here I am with Danielle Green from the State Labor Member for Yen Yin. Good morning. Good morning and welcome and thank you for this. No worries, it's my pleasure. So, could we start with exactly what you do for the northern suburbs as a politician? Well, you know, my job every day is to, um, you know, represent the needs and aspirations of the constantly growing electorate of Yan Yang, yeah. uh, and that's you know day to day matters of individual concerns, but also, you know, the bigger strategic picture of uh, getting infrastructure and services. Uh, to establish communities that, you know, like Diamond Creek, Wattle Glen, uh, Hurstbridge, uh, Whittlesea, and then uh, growing communities like Doreen, Mernda, uh, Wallen, Beveridge, and, uh, and Donnybrook. And then, of course, there's the rural uh, communities in between all of those. Oh, great. So it's a lot of work then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't mention Yarrabat and Plenty either. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty established. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, I mean, as far as the, I mean, for me personally, with the, the train and everything, so you had a big part to do with that coming oh, out to Mernda Rail. Well, yes. you, um, we couldn't have delivered Mernda Rail if we hadn't delivered South Moran. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was a great thing for me to be able to work with the community yeah. uh, and with Whittlesea Council, certainly advocated the last election. I think sometimes people um, conflate South Morang and Mernda together and say, oh, we were asking for Mernda forever. Well, where in fact we weren't. It oh, was really? only about five years from the initiation of the campaign mm. um, to it actually being operational. So yeah. um, I think that was a really great outcome for the community and the community, you know, it's three, uh, three new stations, eight kilometres of track, uh, mm. a great network of um, walking and cycling paths and yeah. that's something that I'm really passionate about is, um, you know, people doing having active transport, with, you know, transport but also just for recreation because yeah. um, the city of Whittlesea where most of the population of the Anyan electorate lives has unfortunately the highest rate of heart disease. Mm. Um, but I think that um, the Mernda Rail project's not simply uh, a public transport project. Yeah. Uh, I think some people have seen it as just merely a means for people to get out of the place. I actually think, well, we've shown through the construction, it's generated a lot of jobs. Uh, it's, of course, generating interest from retailers and uh, other businesses and services that want to establish in the area. Yeah. And I think it's really you know, put Mernda and Doreen on the map and people are now understanding, well, investors are understanding 
um, that there's a great workforce there that would love to work locally. So it's really going to unlock a lot of opportunities. The Mernda and Hawkstow platforms, because they're elevated, and that was controversial, but, you know, the ground conditions determined that that's how they needed to be. But the um, real upside to that is that some people who've never, ever set foot in the Plenty Gorge Park or seen the beautiful Plenty River or the Gorge can now see it from those platforms. Yeah, that's right. And I think that that's not only great for locals, but I think it will draw domestic and interstate and international tourists uh, because you can... Those two stations are cheek by jowl with a state park, a national park. Yeah. And, you know, where you can see, you know, kangaroos in their environment. (laughs) And it's one of the most uh, biodiverse area uh, in in Australia. Yeah. So we're really fortunate to have it in the middle of our backyards. Yeah. And not that we touched what that, that state park there? With the kangaroos are and everything. Yeah, no, no. The, yeah. Um, the state park was uh, that was another achievement by Labor, mm. um, initiated during the Kane government in the late eighties, and uh, so that that park was established then, and then various parcels of land have been added um, over the years since. And so I think it's really something that underpins the livability yeah. uh, of the local area and. Um, Mernda Central College, uh, you know, the principal and I caught up just before these term holidays and uh, she said with Year 9 beginning at the college next year that they would like to have as their Year 9 community project um, each and every year is working on the gorge. So I think that that'll be a great partnership. Parks Vic will love it. It'll mean that the kids get get to know about, you know, Australian Indigenous plants and animals. There's 50 Aboriginal students at Mernda Central College, so, you know, there'll be an opportunity for them to learn um, bush skills and interpretation and uh, explain (laughs) it to other people in the community, and and it could even mean a job for them in future because, you know, tourists are more and more interested in uh, Australia's... uh, Sorry, the world's most continuous culture. Yeah. Mm. I caught the train, I think it was on the second day, now... Just seeing going down that park and seeing all those kangaroos, like yeah, I can't think of anywhere else in the world you could see that. Really. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty magnificent, and I yeah. can't think of anywhere else in the metro network um, where you cheek by jowl with with a state park. So yeah. um, I think that it's something that the community have, can have a great deal of pride in. Oh yeah. One of the other aspects I think is that you know people were convinced that there just wouldn't be enough park and car parking, yeah. and I think because of um, Labor didn't actually get to complete. Uh, the South Morang extension, because we were rudely interrupted by an election in 2010 that elected the other guys. And, you know, we let them have a go for four years. And uh, when they completed the project, they actually didn't provide enough car parking and they also cut um, a 1,000 bus services per week, uh, which created the, you know, the parking mayhem uh, at South Morang. And so I think people were really panicked about that and... uh, you know, the, the research showed that um, more than 50% of people parking at South Moraine were from Mernda and Doreen. Yeah. I think the community was still, oh, have they got the number of car parks right? But what we've seen is that uh, the Middle Gorge car park has uh, has barely been 50% full yeah. uh, since then. Uh, South Moraine has dribbled down to, there's hardly any oh, really? uh, cars parking in the overflow now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hawkstow has probably been about a third empty each day and the Mernda station 
uh, car park has had about 60 or 70 car parks okay. available every day, generally on the Johnson Road side. I think some people have said that it's been full, but I think that's just they haven't gotten to know that there's three sections yeah, yeah. in the car parks. Um, and, you know, what I really hope, Mernda is one of the top five for mortgage stress in yeah. Victoria, one of the top five postcodes. Uh, so, you know, one of my aspirations is that people will have confidence uh, in the bus network to get to the station and using the walking and cycling paths. And so they'll have the confidence to give up one of their cars and yeah. then be able to save that money and put it on their mortgage. Sure. And as well, then becoming more healthy. And uh, it's really only this week that the um, uh, there had been a few delays with some small sections of the walking and cycling paths, and they're only just being completed this week. Okay, um, and, you know, we're only just getting the good weather. It's not daylight saving yet. So yeah. I think we'll see an even uh, more significant improvement in the parking situation uh, because people will choose more um, to walk and cycle. Yeah, for sure. And I think that'll just be great. Yeah. And with the uh, the Hawkstone one, I know they're doing the, the works at the front part there. Yes. Is that yeah. more car park or is that something um, else? Yeah, there's some um, additional car parking and some of it because they had their compound, uh, the workers' compound there. So yeah. it's uh, rehabilitating that and providing some car parks there. Okay. But even without that, there's been a lot of empty car parking yeah. spaces there. But uh, if anyone's taken a walk along um, the walking and cycling paths or, or got off at the stations, there's some fabulous, um, you know, other benefits to the project. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's not just a rail project. Uh, you know, Mernda's now got its first skate park. Didn't have a skate park before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now in the um, Undercroft by the station, there's now a skate park. Okay. Uh, yeah. There's climbing equipment. There's... Um, a beautiful adventure playground next to, under the bridge, under the undercroft, uh, next to Mernda Park Primary. And it's got a real sort of Asian sort of top to it. It sort of looks like little Asian houses. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. um, you could be somewhere in Southeast Asia. And at uh, Hawkstow, there's a half basketball court. Uh, there's outdoor gym equipment. So, you know, it's really efficient use of um, of of Crown land, of taxpayers' land, yeah. um, being able to use it twice, use it for a rail line, mm. um, which is also doubling as, you know, a, a, a beautiful um, lookout yeah. for, uh, you know, the parks and vistas of the area. Yeah. Uh, but then underneath you've got, um, you know, this great uh, parks and outdoor equipment for people, yeah. for kids especially. And, the, and they actually finished the whole project early, didn't they? Expected. Oh, yeah. It was more than six months wow. uh, ahead of schedule that trains became operational. There's still... Um, some concluding works with um, vegetation and things like that yeah. uh, and, and rehabilitating where all the... Because there were three work sites. Yeah. Uh, so doing some of those, uh, I think some of the fencing is being completed. But, yeah, we're, we're almost to the end of it. Yeah. And uh, we've got one more meeting of the community reference group, which I've had the privilege of chairing. And okay. that'll be great to get the, the feedback from uh, those residents you know, who've mm. experienced it, yeah. uh, but also, you know, what they thought of being part of the consultative process as well. Yeah. Mm. And have you also got a big part to do with the uh, duplication of Yanyan Road? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that uh, the Major Roads Project Authority, which is what Vic Roads has a new authority called um, the Major Roads Project Authority, and then we've oh. also established the Regional Roads Authority. 
and I think that they're taking um, some great lessons from the Level Crossing Removal Authority about how to engage mm. with community. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that that's something that people have been really surprised about, that um, they've constantly been able to express their views and have a, um, a single point of contact uh, for a communications professional that can follow up their issues. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think we all would have liked to have seen the Yanyan Road duplication done a long time ago. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think now we're seeing it um, underway. People can understand what a complex project yeah, it sure. is because of the topography. Um, you know, lots of bends, yeah. um, lots of hills, lots of vegetation, lots of properties, yeah. uh, the council depot, the golf driving range... Uh, the you know plenty memorial park uh, mm-hmm. and also the old church which um, I'm delighted to see the old Methodist church was moved uh, from the corner of River Avenue and put on the back of a flatbed yeah. truck and now it's been moved down to uh, the Plenty Community Hall which is yeah. uh, a great outcome because it'll now be the home of the uh, Plenty Historical Society so yeah. they'll use it for their meetings they'll use it for um, permanent and um, periodical displays yeah. and I, I just love the um, the wise elders of Plenty and um, I feel really part of the Plenty community because my office um, you know yeah. abuts yeah. it and you know this historic building is part of Plenty's history as well you know yeah. where we're sitting in my office because yeah. it was the um, Sutherland homes so okay. Selena Sutherland uh, built this um, more than 100 years ago wow. <laughs> and uh, so generations of children were raised here and yeah. uh, we're sitting, in my office is the girls' dormitory, yeah. <laughs> uh, the kiddie gym is in what was the boys' dormitory and then there's a private residence in the, in the middle which yeah. used to be Matron's house. Yeah. You know, I've learnt all that from the Plenty, Plenty Historical Society and uh, yeah. together we were able to get Selena Sutherland onto the Victorian Women's Honour Roll. But, you know, all those sort of stories now that I've learnt from them, they'll be able to be really available to the community yeah. and preserved into perpetuity. And, and also what um, Nisha Forbes and, and, and others have told me is that the children from here used to walk to the Presbyterian Church yeah. uh, to go to church. And now, you know, it's even closer <laughs> yeah, to right. what it was. Yeah, yeah so um, I think it's showing that as a government we've done major projects differently. Yeah. And... Uh, and just coming back to Mernda Rail too, there was um, the first time for any major project in Victoria, there was a heritage offset. And because they were, um, you know, digging so much around there, was John Holland's suggestion, mm. uh, working with the heritage officer at Whittlesea Council and Heritage Victoria and a private um, heritage specialist, um, they did an archaeological dig along the Plenty River oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and excavated the original site of the Bridge Inn Hotel. Oh, really? So it wasn't always on the corner oh. there. <laughs> and uh, so Moses Thomas, who was one of the colonial founders of Mernda, um, he and his family built that um, hotel. It was a Waddle yeah. and Door building um, on the banks of the Plenty River. There was a Cobb Co coach route along there. Oh. And so they found some amazing artefacts which were on display at Whittlesea Council and then at um, earned a station and they are looking at a, um, a way to display them permanently, the yeah. artefacts at 
uh, Mernda Station, but they they worked out that there were women and children there, you know, because they found brooches and okay. hairpins and children's mm. marbles and dolls and mm. um, uh, found a lot of crockery and glassware, pipes, um, you know, men, men used to smoke pipes. And, uh, <laughs> but they also found uh, some ancient Aboriginal artefacts, stone tools uh, and other evidence of um, the traditional owners of the land. But then they also found that evidence that um, local Aboriginal people, once Moses Thomas had moved his family and the inn to the new bridging site, mm. that uh, Aboriginal people had lived in, had occupied the building after Moses Thomas and his family had moved out. Mm. And they found some examples of traditional stone tool making having been made from a European glass and crockery. So mm. there was that merging of the of the two cultures, which, mm. you know, it's just been so fascinating. And lots of local school kids were able to find that out. And mm. so, uh, you know, it is really good to see that that's the way that major projects have been done in this state yeah. with respect to the past um, and to what the community values. And yeah. for both those projects, uh, so Yanyin Road and Mernda Rail, there's been a real, for the trees that have had to be removed, and fortunately there weren't that many on yeah. Mernda Rail, sadly a lot more on Yanyin Road, but all the timber is being reused um, in a really respectful way, you know, with the Wurundjeri elders to yeah. be able to use uh, them for training of their young ones for scarred trees and things like that, traditional purposes, Um, but also into playground equipment, into fencing, um, into seating, those sort of things. And then for the lower value uh, timber, you know, it's been used for mulch and things like that. And uh, and local community groups like the Fire Brigade and the SES have been able to use it and sell it for uh, for a profit. And then uh, some of it's been for firewood too, so that's been able to assist um, people who are doing it tough to have access to firewood. So it's really <laughs> been a organically holistic approach to uh, to project building, um, which I, I, I really like. I've oh, loved yeah. it. Mm. That's incredible. I mean, just the like saying dig up all that things from the uh, the railway. Yeah. Like, I mean, if that hadn't happened. No, probably about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, of course they found um, along the railway too, they found evidence of uh, of the rail line that was pulled out in 1959. So, yeah. you know, they found old, you know, lamps and I think from where some of the crossing gates were and mm. all those sort of things, some of the um, pegs that were used and and other metal implements, you know, that, that fixed the old rails and the, and the sleepers from yeah. the past. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's been fascinating. The other thing that, that we do in all our major projects, but we've even taken it down to even um, you know school projects and even smaller school upgrades, is that all Victorian government projects must have at least 10% uh, of the labour being undertaken by apprentices and trainees. Oh, okay. um, and also, uh, so, I mean, that's just outstanding yeah, because... It is. It's been much harder for kids to get apprenticeships and because you're relying on, you know, domestic building sector or, you know, smaller businesses that can't necessarily take on large numbers of apprentices. And, you know, when I was growing up, before the Kennett government privatised uh, and sold off, you know, the Gas and Fuel Corporation, the State Electricity Commission, um, Victorian Railways, yeah. they were the cradles of 
apprentice training in Victoria. Yeah. Um, you know, the state sector really did that. So it's like now we're opening up those opportunities again. And, I mean, we're doing an awful lot of boat building ourselves um, as a state government, but still, you know, one in six jobs is, uh, is projects directly um, from Victorian government projects, but yeah. six out of seven are not, yeah. and all of those projects um, need skilled labour. And, you know, we want Victorians and Australians to be the beneficiaries of yeah. these projects and for our kids to get a good start into good good jobs um, and that we've got a construction pipeline um, workforce into the future. You know, bricklayers, for example, um, you know, the average age of a bricklayer in Victoria is about 59. Um, <laughs> and when you think of everything we need to build, yeah. um, you know, we've got to replace those that are retiring. Yeah, and, sure. uh, and, you know, we're, we've with our investments in TAFE as well, that pairs with the um, major project approach, but, you know, free TAFE for all the construction uh, courses and a number of other things. But uh, there's um, one of the TAFEs has actually set up a a tunnelling school. So over the next 10 years, there'll be 5,000 people trained in tunnelling. And when you think of all the level crossings, you know, we've removed 29... We said we'd uh, uh, remove 50 in um, in eight years, and we've actually removed twenty nine already mm. before we've even clocked up four. Yeah. And so a number of those have had to use tunnelling. We're doing um, uh, Melbourne Metro project, you know, a new underground loop circle for the inner city, mm. and uh, that's also a year ahead of schedule. Mm. And so you need tunnelling professionals for that. Yeah. And then we've said if we're re-elected, we're going to have the outer suburban loop, which will be almost completely underground so we're yeah. going to need uh, tunneling professionals into the future yeah yeah so nice. oh and of course the northeast link which you know we've said we will um uh sign the contracts for that within 100 days of a re-elected uh andrew slaver government yeah. and you know that's something that we've waited for for generations to join up the uh the ring road to to the eastern yeah. and you know not only will that ease congestion but it'll also provide jobs yeah mm. fantastic So I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Make sure you listen in on Sunday to, for part two. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And if you would like to become a sponsor of the, the podcast, please send me an email. You can find the address in the notes below. And to become a sponsor, you can get an advert just like this one. Bang Pai Thai Massage. We offer massages in relaxation. Thai and deep tissue. We open every day from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Come on in and see us at number 11 13 20 Plenty Road, Bandura, or call us on 9466 8996 to make an appointment. Like us on Facebook or become a member to get discounts. Sawadika. So over the next few weeks, I have some really interesting interviews coming up. So I talked to Tracy and Lynn from the Whittlesey Agricultural Society, and we go into talking about the, the Whittlesey Show and what people can expect this year from the show. Now, another one coming up is Rick O'Brien from Proactive Self-Defense, and then I have a, a really interesting interview with Evelyn and Anthea from the Australian Anti-Ice Campaign, and they send out a really good message to anyone listening, especially those with teenage kids uh, wanting to know more about this terrible drug that's going around. 
and the ways you can help stop it as well. Uh, Jack Chan is another one from the Mill Park Library. She has some great stories about the northern suburbs history, plus lots more coming up. So I'll catch you on Sunday for part two of the Danielle Green interview. So until then, keep smiling. <laughs>